You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. with Jay Dubs and Rocky. We're broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Rock in Royal Oak, Michigan. Be sure to find us at podcastdetroit.com. What time is it? It's Nooner time. Somebody bring me a mirror. It's nooner time. Nooner. Um, <laughs> just, uh, it's I, nooner. I, it's nooner. We're hoping. What's that noise? Who's, yeah. got, who's got the live going? Who's yeah, got who's the live? Got that? It must be volume. me. Or is it me? Oh, no. It was me. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Wait, Grandma. I, I'm moving to this side of the table. <laughs> I'm so, here to so, right. so, so, right. so, yeah. the lovely that. song that was playing, <laughs> oh, that, it's her, it's her, it was her, wasn't it? That was yours. It was you. All right, here, just turn the damn thing no, off, okay? okay? No, I need my phone. No, no, you don't need your phone. I do need my phone. You've lost privileges. Stop. Uh-oh. Okay, go ahead. Anyway. Uh-oh. All right, this Hello. is not a good start. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome. I know. Right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome. Because <laughs> <Hello, laughs> last week we had... Um, no one. The week before. The we week had before the we had the mayor I'm still of Flint. The mayor. I'm going to call her the mayor, too. Uh, mayor Karen I'm going to call her president. I got to tell you, though, <laughs> real quick. Yeah, we so can call her president. Nora and I worked the polls yesterday. And it, oh, uh, you did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, that's oh, where yeah. it was at. Wait. Wait, this oh, is yeah. really funny, though, because I was not making eye contact with anyone because I was scared they were going to ask me something about politics. <laughs> oh, my so God. And she's going to be like, there's nothing. A, there's a, there's so a, an elephant somewhere. And then I don't know what the other one is. No, but, but so these two guys were walking towards us. And, and Nora and I are like, OK, what's going on? So they, they come up and they said we were told to, to stand here. And they had a stack of flyers. Oh, God. The opponent. <gasps> flyer. So I looked at him and I said, oh, we're giving out some candy bars with our flyers. Right. <laughs> and he looked at me and goes, we're giving out $50 bills with ours. Like, All right. We were like, you win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. And they were out there for a good 30 minutes. They yeah. were wimps. Yeah. They were wimps. Pansies because it was so cold. I was out there for. Yeah, you were out there for. Four hours. hours. I was so cold. Dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Loyalty. Crazy. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I really, anyway. really wanted her to win. Yeah, we and, all yeah. did. You know, she lost mm-hmm. by like 300 votes. Isn't there like a rule, though, if it's like close, they have to do a recount? Is, it's is that... not a rule, but oh. she can call for one. Okay. But you can call for the recount, but it doesn't mean that yeah, it's going to be the same. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But, you know. 
it's, such a bummer because really I just is. felt like she needed the other yeah. four years to she really finish did. what she started. Yeah. Yeah. What she started, and she yeah. she she did so much so already much. in such a short so time. Such I just think that this means that there's greater things ahead. I do too. Yeah. yeah, there's. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I not the right. outcome anybody anyone expected, right. but there's a reason. But I, I mean, I mean, when it happened, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm Jackie and I were texting back and forth all night, and she was like, "You hear anything yet?" You know, we're going oh. back and forth, and it was like. When I finally knew, and Jackie was like, "Oh, it's not sounding good." I'm like, "Jackie, be positive." So, so then when I finally saw that, you know, was it going that way? Yeah. It was like, I know just what you said, Gina. She's going to be great, fine, yeah. great, because she is a great person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you and know, her intentions she, are pure. And, I mean, oh just, yeah, yeah, there's right, no yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes there's got to be an obstacle so that you exactly go over it, go through it, go beyond well, it to reach to greater point. right. What she said to in greater her interview, God pushes you in different, different ways. Right, she yeah, just exactly. Knows exactly. Yeah. That, right. So. yeah. So yeah. So anyway, anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Onwards, we have yes. my best boy, John <laughs> Paul. Hello. Thank you very much. All of my mom's here in one place. This is great. You know, he's perfect. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, God. In every way. In Oops. every way. Just what yeah. Rocky loves to hear. <laughs> no, my- are you kidding me? I was like, we we're having lunch and we we're in New York, and I was like, you know, I can't even be mad because he's all of our favorites. So, like, <laughs> as much as we're annoyed by him all the time, he I'm is. Not. Well, I'm talking about me and Olivia. <laughs> yeah. oh, you know what okay. I mean? We're, he secretly is all of our favorites. So yeah. it's like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. We've accepted. He's the That's baby. So what can you do? He's it's the hard baby. to be great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but you are. You yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> So, and Rocky, Rocky welcome is. back. Yeah, she's Rocky. Here also. <laughs> 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 anyway, sensing a little jealousy there, John Paul. Mm-hmm. The center of gravity. That's the right. The movie. Yeah. movie. Yeah. I couldn't go because I had to work, so okay. I'm going to have to go by myself. Oh, my no, I'll go, we'll go no, again. No, no, no. We're go we're going every single week until it's done. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was amazing. Yeah. It was such Thank an honor to be part of the yeah. the family viewing. And Thank you cried. You. Did you cry? Oh, I did. I would have oh cried. Oh my gosh. I you know what? I cried because I'm so proud of right. her. That's what I'm saying. It, just, Thanks, it was you amazing. Made me cry again. Uh, <laughs> but, but wait, I'm sure like the little kids are like why are people we, didn't, we didn't have any little kids. I think we had two little kids. No, right? no, yeah. I'm saying other oh. little kids. You know, oh, like, yeah, are yeah. saying why are those grownups crying? It yeah. wasn't sad. What, like yeah, that. I know. Yeah. It, it wasn't happy. happy it was your pride. No. It was just our pride yeah. to yeah. see her name and yep. to hear her voice and to yeah. know yeah. how hard she's worked. Oh. Right. And We're it was so just proud. An ama- I just, yeah, proud. I posted a video mm-hmm. of when I saw it in New York. John Paul videotaped my reaction. You know and. I cried immediately. Like, Aww. I thought, like, I kind of thought maybe I wouldn't cry and maybe I would do something cool, you know, like get up and sing or something. <laughs> yeah, but no, the first note came and I was just like, <laughs> like, I started to fall immediately. So, so, why did yeah. you cry? Why did you cry? You know, I just was overwhelmed with, you know, yeah. the whole time, the, the, this industry, the one thing I've learned being in it for so long is that things change like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, it's like mm-hmm. I've learned not to get emotionally attached to anything yeah. Yeah. because, you know, it's like, and it's not, anything it's like it's just the way the business is you mm-hmm. know what i mean things change on a dime of a hat it just you got to be able to roll with the punches or you're not going to survive you mm-hmm. know so it's like but you do that very well yeah, yeah so i've got to tell you both yeah, of you guys do. i've gotten mm-hmm. used to just like okay like some exciting news but it might not happen yeah. you know whatever and i just know how this business is so you know the whole time i was thinking okay you know what if it doesn't play or what if they yeah. change their minds at the last second and like the way the movie was i thought maybe you know jeremy runner was in charge of all the music for that mm-hmm. so i thought maybe he'll want one of his songs at the cut, end yeah. you know so I didn't 
I really just until I saw it for myself and heard it in person, <laughs> right. I just was like, right. there's a chance that it might not happen. So, yeah. um, you know, and it was good. I went I went and saw it with my attorney. So right. <laughs> yeah. right. I was yeah. like, if something That's happens, he's, he's going to get, it. you know, yeah. if you're going to see it with anyone. The office, see yeah, it with your attorney. You want free popcorn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So it was it was great, though. And just being able to see it with him and uh, and, and Nancy was really, really special. So yeah. yeah, I just I wish Frankie would have been there. You know, yeah. that would have been. Like yeah. Has Frankie gone to see No, he's not going to go see it unless he's I drag not. his ass out there. No. So I already talked I to him. I was like, love to see his reaction. I refused to send him. The, I told everybody, too. I was like, do not send him the song when it comes on because I want him to see it and hear it. Like, I don't want to be the yeah. spoiler. You yeah. know right. what I mean? Right. I want him to see it for the first time in a theater with his name right. on the screen. Like, right. I don't And I think be... you have to experience that because yeah. that's part right. of right. music. Right. You, have to, you know, it's so loud. Just, and, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's there. Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so. yeah, I think that's something that, that you have to experience. Right. Yeah. So much so much more authentic. Right. There's yeah. some AMC employees who are confused as to why you're crying. Why? Why, yeah. why, why there's four it. adults in this kids movie all together bawling our eyes Cheering out. when everybody so, else has left the theater. Right. Yeah. Why there's 30 people still standing there or sitting watching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Uh, well, yeah. you know what? I do think uh, we we've got have our guest on, our got guest, boss on the show. The, the boss. Mm-hmm. The godfather. The head honcho, as Rocky says, my attorney. Yeah. <laughs> She's uh, so yeah. I wish we could all say Tommy was my attorney. <laughs> well, I can be. I can be. You know, I'm not. A Can't afford you, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't afford you. Do you take uh, welfare stamps? Yeah. Food stamps? Yeah, do you take food stamps? Uh, you know, what, what's the payment the thing, plan? If you're Italian, and it's automatic, and it's like a pro bono. Oh, okay. <laughs> wait, wait. It's, it's also an automatic out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't Hi, Mr. Valentino. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Tommy. Hi. So, listen, I want to wow. in- introduce everybody because I know it's going to sound like chaos in here, but. Um, so we have Rocky here. Hey, hey. Uh, he should know my voice. Uh, know. <laughs> we have John Paul today Hello. in the house. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah. He wants to make sure he doesn't miss anything. That Rocky doesn't get any more information right. than he. No more brownie points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, done with that. Uh, okay. we, we have our wonderful tech Jessica, who's here. Hello, Hi, Jessica. Um, our, one of our hosts, Nora. Is hi, hi, hi. I'm dressed Hello, apart Nora. too. How are you? It's good to have you. Um, thank you. I've yes. never been better. And yes. then, um, and then we have our our other Italian host, yep. Miss um, former school teacher, <laughs> or still a school teacher, semi retired, semi retired. Yeah, Gina Cuccini's in the house. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> <That's Italian>. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh man! I know. It says Fato in Italia, right on my hip. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. Um, I love it. All right. Well, we are so excited you're here. We're going to go ahead and start with our typical format. We we just got through the banter. We're going to talk. Start with our um, intros and all that, and then um, and then go into the interviews. So, Jess, are we ready? Take it away. You're listening to The Nooner Show. We appreciate your support, and we hope you get inspired to take a leap of faith. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nooner Show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at The Nooner Show. Our show today is sponsored by The Parlor in Hadley, Michigan, a music-themed pizzeria where pizza rocks. Also, check out Happy Days Records and more, a new music store and clothing store. 
uh, located at 1801 West Genesee Street in Lapeer, Michigan. And from the makers of Dope Water, if you can be anything, why not be dope? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? (laughs) This segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique and, most of all, inspiring. When you think of your favorite song, the first thing you think about is the artist. Sometimes you think about the writers, but you never think about the attorney. The truth is that behind every great masterpiece, there is a forthright soldier protecting the creator. A great entertainment attorney is an individual who offers a blend of creative and technical skills as the resources that guide an artist to the path of success. Our guest today is one of those great entertainment attorneys, Mr. Tommy Valentino. He is a respected and influential authority in entertainment sector and a leader who inspires action with over 25 years in the industry his experience and expertise have resulted in a 99 percent success rate he has worked with many teams who have guided the careers of high profile clients such as mariah carey daryl hall and john oates alanis morissette big and rich our own kid rock and the teen media personality zach sang just to name a few with an eye for opportunity and a power of persistence he along with frankie jason turner recently founded zen bulldog Entertainment, a company specializing in artist development. Mr. Valentino is a regular contributor and legal commentator on Sirius XM. In addition to his business pursuits, Tommy is a philanthropist at heart and has been involved with many charitable causes. Joining us today is Mr. Valentino calling in all the way from New York City as he's sharing his inspiring story of what it took to start from scratch and build a successful entertainment law business in the very competitive market of... New York, New, New York. York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you there still Bring after it. that? <laughs> right. He hung up as soon as we started singing. Yeah. Yeah. The one that was really off was Nora. I wasn't singing. The PMG. Oh. <laughs> Well, hopefully yeah. nobody else heard that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the singing part, anyway. Right. Right. Uh, anyway, congra- first of all, we're going to start with congratulations to you um, and your team for Center of Gravity and Yay. the movie Arctic Dogs. We were just bantering about it uh, before we got you on the phone here. And uh, it's a great movie, but I have to tell you, when the credits started rolling and all your names came up and the song was playing, that's when we all lost yeah. it. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to say something there. And it, uh, that is uh, probably one of the greatest moments of my career. It really oh, wow. uh, is and was because, yeah, well, totally, was, totally. I'm glad you said that because um, I know you guys went and saw it the night it came out in New York. And, of course, I was telling Jim Paul, text me the, the credits, text me the song at the end. I just want to see that part because Rocky would not let us go to the movies. So, um, so well, you know, Paul, the funny thing is, too, is I was saying before when I found out I was going to be in New York on Friday, yeah. I was telling them, I was like, I'm going to have Tommy. I'm going to go with Tommy. You know, I'm gonna, I know. And, uh, and so my mom was like, well, we're going to go see it. So I was like, oh, you can't go see it with mine. She's like, oh, you think we're going to wait for your schedule? And I was like, it's my, I'm in the movie. Like, so um, John so Paul, we waited. John Paul, John Paul was texting me and he was saying, Rocky's crying. Um, I'm I'm crying a little. Nancy's crying a little. Uh, no tears from Tommy though. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Tommy. Why was that such a big moment for you though? Well, it's it's a big moment because this is one. I've done a lot of things as an attorney, 
when you do things as an attorney, there's a different level of emotion. Mm-hmm. You're, you're more um, objective. You're, you know, your role in the process when you're the attorney is much different than when you're the company that's the owner of, you know, the master recordings and the publishing, which is what Zen Bulldog is. Right. So when you have, when you do that, you have more stake, um, you know, in the game. So that makes you react even differently. Not that when I have people who are successful as an attorney, it's not gratifying, but this was particularly gratifying because of all the work that we've done over such a long period of time. And when you see things start to connect, then you really, really get emotional about it. Even though I wasn't crying, I was crying another way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's got to be yeah. a, an amazing feeling, though to to know that you yeah. know, you're the person that takes the action that can impact so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. Mm-hmm. I'm crying. Well, one just of the things, about one it. of the um, you're crying, differentials <laughs> here is that when you're when you're the attorney, you're usually working on a team. There's a manager involved, most likely. There may be a business manager and whatever. But the team, when you're doing what we're doing with Zen Bulldog, is a different team because you're working with creative people. You're working with producers. In this case, you know, Frankie's writing songs, Rocky's writing songs, Frankie's Frankie Turner, who's from Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all, you have this it's a team, but it's a different kind of team. And so it's a, a, a different kind of strategy that you need to employ when you're doing what we're doing with Zen Bulldog. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get uh, a little more into Zen Bulldog because yeah. it's, um, I it's, love the name. I do too. We're going to find out where that came <laughs> yeah. from, but before yeah. we There's dig into, <laughs> before yeah. we dig into all that, um, we do want to get a little bit of the backstory of um, what was Tommy Valentino like as a child? Well, I, I grew up in a town uh, called Mamaroneck, New York, and uh, the, the moniker of the town is the Friendly Village. And so <laughs> I, I, had, I had a great childhood. I think if, you know, I, I was disciplined and I played a lot of sports and uh, okay. had a lot of friends. And all of, I'd say, 10 of my best friends then are my 10 best friends now. Wow. Really? That's what I'm out about not many can say that yeah oh that's interesting yeah and in fact one of those friends just called me a little while ago and we're working on another project together that involves me um but Mm. we're all on email every day and you know we're we're all in touch and we laugh and we have a good time so i'd like to think that uh that growing up in that town which it's funny because it's only half an hour from New York City, but if you mm. ever go there, it's like every other suburb in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So are you going to tell us what the project is? Or yeah. no? <laughs> He's going to leave us hanging. Yeah. He's going to dangle yeah, it. I knew your, Jackie's wheels were turning <laughs> as soon as you said that. <laughs> here's, here's the funny thing about this project is that when I told John Paul about it, he said, well, of course people are going to tell you they like it, right? Who's going to tell you they don't? So it's just it's a project where um, I believe that there's a void in the market for judicial entertainment. 
And these are one minute to one and a half minute videos that I do of legal cases that have a twist. They're not, some are entertainment oriented, but some are also just consumer oriented. The kind of small claims cases that you would see on the Judge Judy show. Oh, yeah. 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 And so I'll take like a dog biting case where, you know, Mm. a dog bit the ear of a four year old child in Manatee County, Florida. And then, you know, they want to put the dog to sleep because of what he did. And then a judge intervenes and says no. And so the moral of the story is the dog has the same rights of due process as humans do. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. Little vignettes like that. And I believe that content is moving towards short form entertainment. And so this is. This is specifically designed for radio and websites and advertisers and people of that nature. Mm. When did you know you wanted to go into entertainment law? Like, was it when you started college? Was it before college? Oh, no. Well, I I wanted I knew I wanted to go. See, it really wasn't about entertainment law for me. I I wanted to be in the music business. Mm. In which way? And so what did you want um, to do? Originally, okay, well, I played guitar in a band when I was younger. Oh. Um, and, but I never, it's funny, after two or three years, I didn't really enjoy it. So I quit the band and became the band's manager. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What what kind of band was it? Well, we did cover tunes. We did 60 cover tunes, 60 cover Mm -hmm. tunes. Okay. So, for instance, we would get up on stage and we might play in the Gata DeVita by the Iron Butterfly, which every band all around the world played Mm -hmm. at that time because it was a half hour long. (laughs) (laughs) If you knew four chords to the song, you could basically say you were a band and go out and charge people money, you know, and then maybe do like... uh, Born to be wild by stepping will make that half an hour long. <laughs> so, um, how, how old were you when you realized that you didn't want to be in the band? <laughs> I was about uh, fifteen. Wow! Oh, wow! And you okay. became the yeah. manager at that age. Manager. Yeah. Uh, I waited about six months, and then when I was 16, I became the man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and, uh, um, go ahead. It, it's it's funny because I'm not saying that I was a good manager, right? But then I was at school one day, and someone came up to me and said, you know, uh, we need a band to play at my graduation party or my sister's graduation party. Would you guys be willing to do it? And I said, Yeah. And I think they offered us like three or four hundred dollars at that time, which wow. we were freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Out. We freak so out today that, with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After that, I guess they thought I was a good manager and that <laughs> kind of got me started along the path of music. But the but the point of all of it is that my original inclination towards the business was based on my love of music mm-hmm. and the fact that the fact that I played just sort of added to that, even though I recognized that that's not what I ultimately wanted to do. 
I did read and write music, so I felt like I had a sense when I was listening to things. It wasn't just as a fan. It was it someone, someone who had taken guitar lessons for four or five years and had a little bit of knowledge into, you know, mm-hmm, notes sure. and progressions and chords yeah. and things like that. So do you still play the guitar today? No. What did your no. what did your parents think of um, you dabbling in the music business in high school? Well, my dad was a roofer, mm-hmm. and um, so you know he the one thing he always said to me, "I want you to go to college." That there, there wasn't even a conversation about that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you know, initially they were supportive. They were supportive really all the way through. My mother and my father were completely supportive. They understood my passion. They understood that I didn't want to be a roofer. Um, And then, you know, it was later on that when I started to work in the business and saw how things work that I decided to go to law school, but that wasn't Everyone in law school was there because they wanted to be a lawyer, and I was there because I loved music and thought that practicing entertainment law would be a more secure path Mm -hmm. in the event that something didn't work out on the creative side that I was drawn to. Wow. I love that you you already knew at that young age, Mm -hmm. you know, what you wanted to do. Do you think that— I heard— Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, do you do you feel like your your dad instilled that into you or or was something that you just had? Oh, no, my dad, my dad definitely did. But here's the funny thing. And, and, you know, later on in my life, I moved to Nashville and lived there for seven years, which there seems to be, you know, you wouldn't expect someone like me to do that. Right. (laughs) But my (laughs) My dad listened to country music. Oh, really? And so, yeah, he was a big fan of uh, Johnny Cash and Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson. And so and and then growing up, I had a friend uh, and I want to say these people's names because they're they're very important to me. Yeah. Um, I had a friend growing up named Joe Geronda. Joe had a brother named Vito. And Vito was three years older than us, right? And so every day after school, we'd go over Joe's house. You know, his parents were were literally right off the boat from Italy, right? So we would go in the basement and Vito would come in and play all this music. So he might be playing Cream or Steppenwolf or Sly and the Family Stone. And it was great because there was no, you know, if it was good music, you made the cut and you got into the basement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the basement was the A&R right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, I started to say to myself, well, I love the music that my dad's playing, but I also love this other stuff that Vito's playing. And um, that's how I kind of got into all the modern music of the time. And then, of course, I forget where I was. Um, I think one day I was at uh, baseball practice and I was in a field, a park, and this convertible drove by and I heard this song called Bernadette. Mm. And, and it just it just 
it froze me because this guy, I've never heard a guy sing like that. And he was singing Bernadette, and, you know, <laughs> so, uh, afterwards I started to do some research. I went to the local record store, bought the 45 of Bernadette. And that was my introduction into Motown, which, oh. which I'm as passionate about as everyone in Detroit. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to Detroit. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. 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 So why didn't you move to Detroit? Why'd you go to Nashville? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, well, at the time, I just knew what Motown was. I was too young to really think about moving anywhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't move to Nashville until, you know, about midway through my career. I was there from about 84 to 89. Mm -hmm. So when you graduated uh, law school, what was like the first big, like what, like in your mind, like what was the like first big case or big client? Yeah, milestone that you worked on. Well, I, the big the big case or the big client. I mean, the first big thing that came was really Kid Rock. Wow, that was that was the one. You know, Bob was the one that that was really the client that everyone paid attention to. After I had shopped it for two years, and I mean, you know, I couldn't get arrested. But then <laughs> people started to see things differently. We made some adjustments. Um, and, and those adjustments were successful. And then, yeah, so it was really Bob that was like the first big name person that, that I, I worked with. So was that how your Detroit relationship then really solidified and began? No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, I was working at BMI Broadcast Music Incorporated. Right the uh, Performing Rights Society. And so we had a staff meeting one day and there was about seven of us. Now, at the time, I wasn't a lawyer. I was doing like A&R for BMI, right? And so they had a staff meeting and they went down the list. Who wants to go to LA? Who wants to go here? Who wants to go to Florida? And there were two cities left. One was Atlanta and the other one was Detroit. Mm -hmm. And before I knew what was happening, one of the executives who worked with me said, well, I'm taking Atlanta. (laughs) I was left with With Detroit. Detroit. (laughs) So I'm now, so, and, and they, my boss came up to me and said, Oh, there's this show called the Motor City Music Awards. And since you're with BMI, you're going to have to present an award. Oh, so I was like, whoa, okay. Um, <laughs> so I fly into Detroit. Now, I don't know a soul in Detroit, right? And they wanted me to stay for like two or three days and go on some panels and do some things. And I was nervous. I had never been to Detroit. And so I, I present the award. Um, I believe it was at the State Theater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I give the award out. And now I'm thinking to myself, okay, like, what am I going to do now? Am I going to go back and sit in the hotel or, you know, what's going to happen? So I start to walk to the back of the theater and I see this 80 style hair band. <laughs> Look at these guys. And one of the guys yells out to me, hey, New York. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he knew. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm. And and that gentleman was none other than Brian Pastore. Oh. <laughs> no way. Wow. I know you're all loving this. <laughs> 100%. This is great. So, and he had his brother Mark with him and then the rest of the band, right? So the minute he said, hey, New York, naturally I had to react, right? <laughs> and, you know, I walk over there and we start to talk and one thing led to another. And then the next, the next thing I knew, I spent the next 48 hours hanging out with Brian and Mark. Oh, wow. my gosh. No kidding. Wow. History began. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I extended my stay. Uh-huh. <laughs> such a good time. Yeah. Wow. I went from thinking, like, how am I going to get out of here to, like, this is the best place on earth. And, wow. and really... I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it then. And I know you all know that, you know, Brian and Mark and I are still very, very Mm -hmm. close to this day. And um, yeah, that's what a great story. That is a good story. Yeah. Well, thank you, yeah. Brian. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, New York. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I told him. I, you know, I was going to call him and say, hey, I'm going to shout you out on the Nooner show. But then I figured, <laughs> let me shout him out. And then I'll put it up on my LinkedIn post and he'll freak out even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we've, we've, had, we've had Brian on the show yeah. before. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's great. Yeah, I, I love Brian. Yeah. So committed to Detroit and music. So from that point on, how did you end up building um, such a powerful network. Was it after the Kid Rock experience? Is that um, because, I mean, there, you anybody can go to college and get a mm-hmm. degree of any, you know, any Whatever. kind of degree, yeah. but building a, a, such a strong network, um, doesn't matter what industry you're in, is not easy to do. Right. And, and the way it works is you just have to connect the dots. Right. You're going from point A to point B to point C. Um, you're you're trying to make sure that the connections you make are mutually beneficial. Mm. Um, in my case, in the early earlier part of my career, some of the people that I was associating with didn't have the same values and principles that I had. So it takes a while to figure that part out. Okay, like I want to make sure that I'm in sync with the people that are in my network. And but it's a lot of it is, um, you know, just learning as you go along Mm -hmm. and figuring things out. And but it's also strategic, too. Mm -hmm. What the strategy involved? What kind of um, values did you have at that time? when it came to having business relations? Like what was important to you? The values are the same. The values are Mm -hmm. the same today. Okay. So the values and the principles uh, were taught to me by my family. In other words, by my immediate family, my mother and my father, um, my grandparents on both of my uh, mother's side and my father's side. Um, And really all my friends, everywhere we went, everyone had the same values, right? Mm -hmm. Trust, loyalty. Mm-hmm. You're a man of your word. You're a woman of your word. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was constantly reinforced. And, and there was a way that you were taught to carry yourself, mm-hmm. as Joe Namath would say, because mm-hmm. uh, I've read Joe's book. And that is that you're humble. Mm-hmm. You're humble. Yeah. 
you wow. you let your actions speak louder than your words. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of times when there might have been situations when I was young and, you know, got cocky and like there were 20 people to just say, dial it back right now. <laughs> 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 and was and your dad because... was your dad one of them? <laughs> <laughs> My dad um, could just look at you. Yeah. Okay. As he, many he as many speak. Italian fathers, fathers can. can. Yeah. Yeah. I speak from experience. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, we do. Uh, if if my hair got a little long, or at one point I was daring, and John Paul, I know, will love this. You know, <laughs> and, uh, Me and Rocky just gave each other yeah. a look. <laughs> I know John Paul loved this. So I had these big mutton chop sideburns, right? <laughs> and, you know, I was letting them grow and grow and grow. And then one night I came home for dinner and, you know, there was a photo. I was in the local newspaper because I was co-captain of the football team with my dear friend, Danny Maida. And uh, my dad just looked at me and said, you know, I think you need to shave those sideburns. <laughs> then I went upstairs and I did. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He just gave yeah. you the look. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't a conversation. Uh, yeah. I have a question. Is okay. So I, I've I told you this. I've told my mom that I said there's two people in this world that scare me the most, and that is you and my mother. She's sitting across from me right now. We have right. a person in between us. Don't worry. We're, I'm safe. Um, <laughs> was your dad as intimidating as you are? <laughs> Because I feel like your dad probably would scare the shit out of me, too. So, (laughs) yeah, if you know what, someday or I I debated on whether I should send you a photo of I uh, that I have of my dad. Oh, I love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had like a thin mustache. And uh, if you saw a photo, you'd say, okay, you know, uh, my dad was more than me on that level. Um. He was, he was intense, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, he, he had to do what he had to do. He, mm-hmm. he was a roofer and, you know, if it rained out, he didn't work. So, um, later in life, I understood that. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's the that, best that lesson from your dad? That comes from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's the best lesson that you got from your dad? Best lesson would be, uh, again, it was the idea that you carry yourself a certain way. Mm -hmm. You, you, you remain humble. Mm -hmm. You just remain humble. You, you don't, you know, he was, he was a kind of a guy who believed that keep things under the radar. Um, Mm -hmm. family was Mm -hmm. number one, Mm -hmm. you know, family was first and doing the right Thing. He had a definite value system. There, it was not like today where everything's gray and it's this and it's mm-hmm. that. I mean, there were things, there were principles, there were certain, I don't want to say rules, but there were certain codes of conduct and you adhered to those codes of conduct. It sounds like integrity was really, yeah, you know, that's the word. The, yeah. The, the, the yeah, that would be a great word to describe it. Integrity. Yeah. So yeah. um, fast forward just a little bit. Um, when you started working, how did you come in contact with Kid Rock? How did that whole thing evolve? Um, 
as it did. Because you've told us a little bit um, just about the trials of that you had to go through, but tell tell us how that happened. Okay, so in the Detroit Free Press, it, it's talked about a little bit, but um, you know, naturally, when you're being interviewed by someone, and it's an article where everyone's telling their story. It's it's different than for, from my perspective what happened. Mm-hmm which is that, in other words, by the time I got to Kid Rock, then that was that. But the question that you're asking is, how did you get to Kid Rock? Yeah. Right. 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 Or how did Kid Rock get to me? However you right. look at mm-hmm. it. Right. <laughs> how yeah. did get to you? So, <laughs> okay. So I was at a club in New York City, and I can't remember the name of it, but I was with a client of mine named Jamie Houston. Jamie later went on to become a big writer for Disney. He wrote two or three of the top songs in high school musical. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you look his name up, you'll see that. And, And at the time he was signed to Warner Chapel music and he was an up and coming writer producer and he had a production company and he was looking to sign artists to the production company. So he and his girlfriend and my wife, Nancy, and I went out one night and we're at this club and we see this woman performing on stage and we're like, oh my God, this woman's amazing. You know, Jamie said, would you go up to her with me? And, you know, I want to sign her to the production company. So I said, sure. So after the show, we approached the woman. I said, hi, I'm Tommy. This is Jamie. And the woman was Cara DiGuardo, who is one of the most successful songwriters now and was a judge on American Idol. Oh, that's right. I know I recognize that name. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. So she (laughs) turns to me and says, well, if you, if you want to do anything with me, you have to talk to my publisher. And she hands me a card of her publisher. Now the publisher was a guy named Brian Brinkerhoff. And so he had heard some things about me from my friends in Nashville, one friend in particular, John Briggs. And so when I called Brian up, he said, hey, you know, I've heard really good things about you from John. And, uh, you know, Kara is, is not, you know, you can't do a production deal with her. She's already on her way. And, you know, but I just got a call from a manager named Steve Hutton. And he has an artist named Kid Rock. And Kid Rock is looking for an attorney. He's had two or three attorneys and things haven't worked out for whatever reasons. And would you be interested in talking to this guy? And he said, you know, he's he's a personality. That was the word he said. He's a personality <laughs> and a character. And you sound like the kind of a guy that could do a good job representing him because representing him is like part of it would be, you know, helping the manager and, you know, really integrating into the team. So I said, sure, why not? Uh, You know, I was getting a referral from a publisher, so Mm -hmm. naturally Mm -hmm. I would be interested. And then I called Steve Hutton and we spoke and we hit it off. And then he said, I'm going to have Bob call you. And then Bob called me on a Saturday. We spoke for about a half hour and he said, Hey man, I really dig where you're coming from. And, you know, I want to work with you. And then 
I think about two or three weeks later, I flew to Detroit and on a Saturday afternoon and don't remember much of what happened after that. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Yeah. 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 And then, um, and then, and then we just kept going from there. You know, we started the shopping process and got him this deal with Jason Flom at Lava Atlantic Records. Wow. And then from there, you know, everything just started to catch on and, and become what led to where he is today. Wow. wow. What, how, how long after you met him did you go see him live, perform live? I think because, see, there was, yeah, there was, the way I remember it, it probably was a month or two mm-hmm. because the A&R person, Andy Karp, was going to, was already sort of into this and he was flying in to see Bob. And so uh, Karp and I flew in together first to see the first show. And then after that show, that's when we went back and convinced Jason Flom to fly in. And then Jason flew in uh, to the State Theater. And then after that, you know, wasn't much longer, maybe two weeks and the deal was done. What what was it about him that made you want to work with him? Well, there was a buzz on him, right? So. Bob had already done a lot of the work himself. I mean, he was selling out clubs. He he was selling out. I remember, I'll never forget. I sat down with Jason Flom and he said, you know, this guy, Kid Rock, selling out the State Theater. I've got Matchbox 20. They've sold 2 million records. And, you know, we're we're almost like not selling out as well as he can. Right. Wow. And, and they're an act with, you know, 2 million records. So Bob had created a lot of the, um, you know, the buzz and the excitement on his own. Mm-hmm. So that was a case where I was just, again, connecting the dots, mm-hmm. right? If you look at all the people who were involved and all the people who were interested in it. Right. Um, and then, of course, I recognized what he was doing. You know, there, there was a little bit of a discrepancy because at the time, Vanilla Ice had just been dropped. Mm, and everyone was telling me you know a white guy doing hip-hop and you know and i was like whoa 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 wait a minute this guy is not doing hip-hop okay if you go to see his live show it's rock and roll is rock and roll can be yeah okay (laughs) now does he have a dj named uncle cracker on stage spinning (laughs) records yeah does he have a lot of the bravado that you know some of the hip-hop hip hop artists have Mm -hmm. yes but in its essence this was a rock and roll show Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that as he's progressed later in his year that that's that's where the show leans more toward now and you know country rock right sort Mm -hmm. of that that genre of music Mm -hmm. right so from that point on as you're going on in your career how did you end up meeting frankie jason turner and let's I want to get into Zen Bulldog. Sure, sure, sure. Frankie, well, all roads lead to Brian, right? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, Brian had called me because he wanted me to meet with Mark Foreigner from Grand Funk Railroad mm-hmm. because Mark had some contractual issues with the record company that he had dealt with years ago. So, and then Brian said to me, as as Brian would, right? Um, oh, yeah, and I have this songwriter I want you to meet. You know, he's, <laughs> he worked with us at Harmony Park from, you know, the time he was a kid and so on and so forth. And I said, sure. 
So I met with Mark, and when that meeting was over, Brian was still at Harmony Park. I went downstairs, and we had lunch, and Frankie, I was introduced to Frankie, and, um, you know, I had heard some of the stuff that Frankie had done with the Gentleman Mutineers, mm-hmm. and but I really, really liked the music that he had done, but I just fell in love with uh, Frankie as a person. And so... And how, then, yeah. so... So, okay, so from there, it, you know, we, we just started talking and we really got to know each other really well. And I said, you know, I'm not really looking in this instance, if I was going to do something with you, I don't just want to do it as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd want to do it as a partnership and form a company. Wow. And wow. we would form a publishing company and a production company. And he was into that. And so that's then, you know, we moved forward with Zen Bulldog Entertainment, which is our production and publishing company. How how did the Zen Bulldog, how did that name come about? That was Frankie's idea. Mm. And, And, you know, I was saying to him one day, I can get, I get spastic with certain things, with actually with a lot of things, right? Um, huh, and we don't so, you know, that. I don't know. I, I had my corporate guy on the phone. It's like, well, what, what's the name of this company? I'm like, I don't know, right? So I call up Frankie. Frankie's like the most steady personality yeah. I've yeah. ever known in my life. And it's almost like he manages me. <laughs> and so I call him up. I'm freaking out. I'm like, Hey, we need a name. We need a name. I don't know. I don't know what the name, you know, think of a name and, you know, and so we, when Frankie and I met what, what I feel like we really bonded on besides the fact that I thought his music was great. And, you know, you talk again about values and principles, mm-hmm. right? I felt like, we come from the same place, even though he grew up somewhere far from me. Um, besides the music and everything, what we really bonded on was we started talking about meditation. Oh. And so Frankie was doing some meditation. And I said, oh, well, that's really interesting. I've been meditating for 30 years. <laughs> I do <laughs> yoga. You? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do Tai Chi, right? And then I started telling him about all the books I've read and this subject. um, And, you know, he was like kind of surprised as most people are, right? (laughs) Um, And so he came up with the idea of Zen Bulldog Entertainment. Mm. You know, I think there's, it's apparent who's the Zen and who's the Bulldog. Bulldog, (laughs) I really love the name. That's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great story behind the name. Uh So what's your favorite book? It's the truth. Um, my favorite book, well, on, in that area, Mm -hmm. the yoga sutras of Patanjali, which are like the, you know, the Sanskrit texts of yoga. Um, but I read a lot of, uh, a lot of things on Buddhism and mm. Eastern religion. Oh, wow. I read a lot of books on religion. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And martial arts. You never knew, yeah. did you? No, wow. we did not know no, that. Yeah. I did know that. Yeah. You did? <laughs> yeah. No. No. I do wanna... I'm really, um, you know, I'm, I'm deeply into it, but I'm not fanatical, but I'm very knowledgeable about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, t- I did... 
you have mentioned that to me because we've had talks about that kind of stuff. And uh, it's my sister. I was saying, you know, she's I was talking to her. I said, you know, you really need to get into doing just a little bit of yoga, a little bit, bit of meditation, because I'm not that kind of person. I said, if Tommy Valentino <laughs> can do <laughs> yoga and that meditate, right. there's no there's no type of person that can do <laughs> right. this, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> and then That's she started true. doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of value to it. And oh, there's you tons wouldn't of necessarily yeah. think that that I would do it, but, um, it also helps in business a lot Mm -hmm. because it keeps you balanced. Mm. It keeps you focused and it teaches you to live in the moment so that, um, you know, if I'm not crying when my favorite artist is debuting her movie at you know, movie theater in New York City, second, second right? favorite, um, <laughs> it helps with that center of gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's just being present in the moment, mm-hmm. right? That's what that is. And so, you know, Frankie was aware I, that that I had this Zen side, right? Mm-hmm. And so. I think that had a lot to do with, you know, it as well, even though the reality is, I would say, Frankie's more Zen most of the time mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm bulldog most of the time. But there's a lot of times when um, when we have conversations and I'd like to think that I'm Zen in, you know, saying to him, here's what you need to do. Do this, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You both and are so equal parts, when we, I feel. Whenever we're, I'm sorry. You're both equal parts. You know what I mean? Like, I do feel like there's Zen and Bulldog in each one of you, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's more of a presence of, you know, at different times. But both Mm -hmm. of you are are very much you. You both are the Zen and the Bulldog, Mm -hmm. which I I think for John Paul and I, that works out very well. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's I think it's it's a great combination. And again, if you were to ask me what inspired this partnership, um, it was the fact that when we started talking, it was about meditation. Wow, wow that's interesting. Right. Yeah. You know, that makes a lot of sense right. now mm-hmm. that I think of, uh, because, you know, obviously with uh, the whole center of gravity, we were very excited for Rocky, but we were also very excited for Frankie because I mm-hmm. do feel like he, he really has been grinding at Mm -hmm. it for so long. Mm -hmm. And now it sort of makes sense with the whole Zen being present in the moment. That's probably what has helped you guys Mm -hmm. stay in it so long because Mm -hmm. it's, it can be very discouraging this industry. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people just can't stick with it to Mm -hmm. get through it. Well, here's the interesting thing about that. Our attitude has always been, we're going to keep doing this no matter what, right? Because when you genuinely like someone, Mm -hmm. why would you not want to talk to them every day? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You look forward to those conversations. And, And the challenges that come in, you're both saying, well, you know, we can get this figured out. But we're not going anywhere. So if we just keep hanging in there, sooner or later, one something should break. But you know what? Let's say that it doesn't. We don't care. I mean, we right. care, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. right? Because yeah. we want to make money. We want to have our people be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's more important to us that 
you know, 20 years from now or 10 years from now or whatever, that we can pick up the phone and have right. the same conversation that we're having today. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, that is beautiful. That's yeah. just so cool. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. we are going to, we're, we're running out, running of, time out of time here. here, but we do have a quick four for four that we're going to mm-hmm. do. Each of us are going to ask a question. Um, Random. Go ahead, Rocky. Yep. All right. So my question is, if someone was to make a movie of your life, who would you pick to play you? Uh, currently or, or anyone. Whoever. whoever yeah. Anyone, anyone whoever. whoever. Um, Marlon Brando. With the grapes in his mouth or without? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, either any of any of uh-huh. his roles. Any yeah, of yeah. his roles. Yep. Okay. okay, Gina, go ahead. All right, apocalypse now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Who in your education and and who made a difference in your life? Was there one person that sticks out in your educational career that made a difference? I can't believe you're asking this question. <laughs> wow. The answer is Irene Willis, who was my wow. um, English teacher in 11th grade at Rhinec High School. Shout Changed out my to life. Wow. Shout out to Irene you know what? I, I'm a teacher, wow. so, you know, I always wonder about that. Like, yeah. wow. what differences do we make in people's uh-huh. lives? So, yeah. what, what did she do? I would not be where I am today without uh, Irene Willis. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I looked her up a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if she's currently deceased or not, but okay. wow. um, she changed my life. She changed oh, my life. Can we what? ask how? Um, well, she made me aware that I had an ability to write Mm. and she brought it out of me. And that ability is what allows me to do my LinkedIn posts today and write Mm. my legal documents. Oh, wow. Very good. Hey, I, English major. As an, as a teacher, I'd encourage you to continue to look to see if you could find her. She'd like to hear that. Okay. That's great. Okay, Nora. That's my piece of advice for you. Nora. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Mine is. Fair enough. If if you had to create a playlist that everyone in the world had to listen to, what three songs would you pick? But you can't pick anything from Rocky, John Paul, and Frankie Jason Turner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, no. those would those be your topics. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> what three Dancing songs? Dancing in the Streets, my favorite song. Oh, oh yeah. Um, second would be... Um, since I lost my baby by the temptation. Oh, I love that song. Third would be Stairway to Heaven. Oh, oh wow. wow! I would listen to that. Wow! Song. Now that, yeah, see, we were that. we were wrong. Guys. I, I yeah, we were. Sure I thought there would be a Frank Sinatra. Yeah, we song thought it was there. Frank Sinatra. I knew you. Yeah. You would. It wouldn't be. I That's knew it. really cool. I, knew it. I, yeah. I thought Frank. Well, you know, I mean, Frank. Frank is. Um, see, I. With Frank, he's just Frank. Yeah. <laughs> right. So right. I can't belittle Frank. Like, if I'm going to give you one Frank song, do you understand this, right? Then I have to give you every <laughs> single song. Yes. Yes. We're True. going to Frank. We're talking about the greatest that ever lived of all time, period, at end of story. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay. So last question is, your signature tagline says, good advice can change your life. What's the best right. advice you ever got that really made an impact on your life? Um, I think the best advice I ever got on my uh, in my life was uh, to go to law school. That was given to me by my family. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I was in the music business at a young age doing a lot of things and, you know, I was impressionable. Um, and again, as a collective unit, they all sat me down and said, no, 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 no. You're going to law school. You're going to be educated. And, and that was it. And that's, I think that was the best advice that's ever been given to me. There's lots of other great advice, but sure. that was important. Yeah. For um, for someone who's listening to this conversation, whether they're pursuing a career in music or any other passion, um, what's one piece of life advice that you think everybody needs to have? You have to go with your gut. Oh. You have to go with your gut. I mm. posted about this yesterday, and wow. you you're you're going to be going down this road. And so many things are going to happen and blow up in your face. Uh-huh. And naturally, you know, there's the cliches. Okay, you get knocked down, you come back up, right? right? Mm-hmm. And, and all that. And that's true. But at a certain point, you get knocked down 10 million times. And, you know, maybe you start to say, I don't want to get back up, right? right. Um, you have to learn from each experience that hurts you, right? In Buddhism, there's the idea that you should be thanking the people that hurt you the most. Right. And I think that's in Christianity and, and most other religions, mm-hmm. that concept, right? Of the people that hurt you the most are the ones that you should thank the most because they're the ones that teach you the most. And that has mm-hmm. certainly I been like the it. case in my life. Wow. wow. Great. And I want to thank them all, Good even advice. though at the time the lessons hurt. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, they, they, they've made me the person that I am today. And I've never been happier in my career than I am right now. Wow. wow. That is great advice. Uh-huh. We have to wrap it up, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Tommy, I thank just you have to so say much. one thing, though, before we wrap up, that John Paul and I are eternally grateful yes. for you and yeah. for Frankie, Frankie and everything that you guys... Our lives. Yeah, 100% percent yeah. We're, we're all grateful that. Yeah. Thank you. And we get we, to be part of this journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always say that mm-hmm. that was... Going to New York and meeting Frankie were the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we just have to... Tell you guys how much we love you. So. Yeah. And Tommy, thank you <laughs> well, so again, much for taking time out today, too. Go ahead. Oh, um, you're more than welcome. I'm happy to, uh, you know, and uh, I enjoyed this tremendously. Well, hopefully we you're going you. to come to nice Detroit. to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have you on yeah, yeah, in yeah. studio. Yeah. In studio here. We'd love and to I'm have you in studio. Detroit. Don't worry. I want to come in with a bang, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to. I don't yeah. think you come anywhere any <laughs> yeah. other way. Yeah, so. would you come any other way? <laughs> um, anyway, well, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All so, right. Love every- to you all. All right, thank you. And remember, sometimes Uh the only mode of transportation available is a leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith and happy hump day. day. Thank you, Tommy. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Start spreading the news I'm leaving today